welcome to Holy Shit, I Have ADHD, a podcast about discovering you are neurodivergent in adulthood. My name is Jordan Lane. That is Robbie McDonald. Hi there. And joining us today is Joel Sanjulian, a uh, composer, musician, and sound artist from the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, he's just put out a new album called Masking, which is uh, uh, the themes of which kind of overlap a lot with the themes of our podcast. Uh, so without further ado, uh, welcome, Joel. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for the, the pronunciation of my name. It's nice. It's lovely. And thank you so much for joining us. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, I guess by way of a little bit of background, um, so you're someone who reached out to us, I believe in January of this year, just to kind of say like, hey, uh, I checked out the podcast and really relate to it a lot. And uh, we love getting those emails. Uh, that, that's always great to get. And then we got a really great follow-up from you a few months later, um, letting us know about this album and, and kind of that you had uh, put together a, 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 an ambient song suite about um, basically kind of your your journey of, of discovery and um, yeah it's it's an absolutely fantastic listen I'm a big fan of ambient and experimental music um, but yeah it's not it's it's interesting to see um, I, I guess there, there's a reputation maybe with that kind of music to try and think of it uh, people tend to think of it maybe as a little bit more kind of like um, intellectual or or less kind of like visceral i guess you could say so it's it's very interesting to um hear something where you are taking this very very personal kind of emotional experience and journey that you're going through and putting it into something that um isn't necessarily straightforward like it's it's not a, a pop songs with lyrics that are like hey i have adhd or, mm -hmm, or whatever right. so um so yeah so i'm just kind of curious if you want to tell us about your your discovery journey and then uh, uh how you put all of uh, what you learned during that into your album absolutely um yeah thanks for that so when I guess I'll start with the, I'll, I'll start a little bit with my musical approach and then jump into the ADHD cool. just because I started music, writing music. I started writing music with a guitar, songs, mm. things like that. And so um, that was sort of the, that's how I know about, that's how I relate. So and I think my lyrical content was very, has always been, you know, very personal, um, things like that. And when I started writing music um, for uh, about 10 years ago, I started writing music for, for dance and for films and more instrumental music. Um, I started sort of finding a voice without lyrics. Um, but everything I've written about, I, I have a hard time not not relating to other work where people create stuff that's maybe more abstract and even the ideas are more abstract, more academic. Um, that just doesn't really, doesn't really come out of me. That's sort of not how I, how I do. Everything's very, always usually very personal. Mm -hmm. um, but um, back to the, the, the ADHD stuff. Um, so when I, when I, I found so I'll actually go back a couple years ago. I had, um, I've been going to therapy for a long time. I think like a lot of folks who have ADHD, like, and find out in adulthood, like what's right. wrong with me? Why am I, you know, doing, doing all this stuff? And um, I had a therapist uh, that I met with um, for a while and she primarily worked with children. Um, 
she specialized working with children at ADHD, but also met with adults. And she asked me, like, just point blank, like, have you ever considered that, you know, you have ADHD? And I was like, no. Um, and then basically because I, again, I also, like, I had the stereotype of who, what it looked like to have ADHD. I worked in um, um, residential facilities with, 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 with kids who, who had ADHD. And so like, that was my view of what it was. And so when she said, I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not hyper. I'm not, you know, bouncing off the walls. So I, I, I can't really relate to that. So I, I, I kind of shoved it off. Um, and then coming to last year, I, uh, last fall, I started a graduate program uh, at Columbia University. Uh, it was an on online uh, master's in social work program. And I did really good Excellent. at that program. Uh, what I didn't realize what that was, was that was hyper-focus. Uh, so I really did good at that program uh, and everything else in my life, like just was, I was not managing that really well at all. Um, and, you know, I think part of more, more part of my, um, you know, cultural upbringing, um, my family is from Haiti and, um, my, my, you know, family of origin, we don't ask for help. We don't need help. We don't want help. And when, um, uh, when my, my wife had offered some solutions, um, around this, I was like, this doesn't make sense. Or, uh, and I think started, and I was taking it again, personally, as this is, you're saying something's wrong with me. Didn't know what RSD was when I found that out, it was like, blew my mind. But like, I was taking it as, oh, you're, you're not managing this stuff. Therefore you are bad. Um, therefore something's wrong with you. Um, and so this conversation started coming. We kind of were having this this little bit of conversation. Um, my wife also um, happens to be a fantastic psychotherapist mm. and works with, has some folks that she works with who has ADHD. And she's like, maybe you should, like, maybe you should think about this. And so, like, I started thinking about it. And that was sort of the point where I thought back to when my um, old therapist brought it up to me. The way that it really manifested itself was I was having terrible problems, managing my time, remembering things. And I've always, I, I've always had these issues. I've always had issues remembering things. I've always had, especially, I hear this a lot too, like um, I have two kids. So my, when my daughter was born, my executive function really got hit hard. And so I hear that a lot from a lot of parents that this is a thing that happens for them. And so that's been issues, but I just have always just thought that they were things that were just wrong with me. And I just had to figure out how to, how to cope with them and how to deal with them. So I had been obsessing over my schedule for the spring semester for school, obsessing over it, um, asking all these questions, just really, again, the hyper-focus and had everything planned out, what I'm going to take, what I'm going to do, do the next day. I got to do my, um, I got to sign up. So I wake up the next day, get my kids ready for school, get them out the door, um, come home and realize I completely missed 
the registration. Like I completely missed it. By the time I looked at it, all the classes were on. Like all the classes I wanted were, were booked. Like it just, it just boom. And that was a, that's when I was like, okay, like I need help. <laughs> like something, something's, something's up. I need help and I need to, I, 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 I need to get uh, a handle on this. And so um, uh, I took the semester off and got connected, thankfully, um, got connected to a, like a, uh, an ADHD clinic in San Francisco, but like, I guess they're completely, they've been completely virtual since the pandemic. Um, had to wait not very long. Um, got, got assessed even as well to just sort of um, see how things lined up. Um, you know, the assessment was about her experience with me, obviously. Um, and then I got, I got diagnosed with uh, the, um, I can't remember what's, what's, it's not the combined type, not, oh, inattentive. I can't mm -hmm. remember inattentive ADHD. I just I showed you that inattentiveness. Um, <laughs> but, um, and yeah, it's been a journey. It's been like, a, it's been a, it's been a huge journey because I've had this sort of look at my life and say, I guess, first of all, like all the things that I thought were wrong with myself, it wasn't sort of this default of character or anything like that. Yeah. And that's been the work for me personally. It's been sort of like shifting that narrative of this isn't, there's nothing wrong with me. Um, there are tools that I need to learn to figure out how to exist in this world. Um, you know, and this world is really sort of caught up in, you know, a lot of binaries, a lot of like, it has to be like this or that. And um, I'm finding that, you know, I don't have to be this or that. But I do have to be, you know, I do have to think about how, you know, this ultimately impacts me, the people I care about, and figuring out how to, how to make those things work, the things that I do care about, how to make those things work. Um, but it's been wild because I've, I've never realized, I, I didn't realize how many, first of all, like when I found your podcast, I've been listening to different podcasts, um, trying to get some information and they were very great and they and I still listen to a lot of them and they were very um you know I'm getting this information I'm learning tips and stuff like that and it's it's really cool but there was an irreverence that this podcast had that made me feel like oh I'm just listening to friends who are just talking about what's going on and some of it is raw, some of it's funny, you know, um, some of it's more serious, but, but it really was the first time it was just like, I was listening, I was like, okay, this is, this makes more, this makes sense to me. This makes like, it's, it's just not as like clean and I, and I don't want it to be, you know what I mean? I don't want it to be this thing where I'm learning about, you know, how to necessarily like be more productive productivity is important it is i get sure. it and there's certain things about it but it's sort of like the way that it's like can kind of be tied to like 
capitalism and just sort of like you being this like just sort of cog that's not the productivity i'm really interested in i am interested in like okay how do i like plan out like i had to like i just went on vac vacation for the first time knowing like I've, I've always had ADHD, but knowing like oh my gosh i actually need to like plan this out because if i don't plan this out this is why i'm always a, like a little bit of a mess so um that productivity that's important right but like mm -hmm. you know to like do more work or like you know that stuff i'm not as much concerned about so it's been a weird journey but i again like you're you know one of the reasons why i reached out initially was because i was like this is i feel like i'm talking to people or listening to people that are speaking my language and sort of speaking in a way that like feels like okay i can i can relate to this um because i think the stories are what matter with this stuff like actually hearing people's stories i think that's really what matters with even the guests that you've had and things like that just like hearing people's stories um is really important i think it's a really great service um so i benefited so like when i had this you know when i Put the album on i was i've been you know i've been sharing with different people i wanted to share it with you particularly because i think i had been thinking about my looking back at my adhd journey and just thinking about it and the way the album came together is that it's, it was all kind of pieced together i'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later i'm sure but um wanted to make sure that i shared it with you all because of the the place that you had um in that um, that journey for me so it's really fun to be um that you asked me to be on the show as well and um to, to talk about this stuff so really appreciate it well it's really fun to have you here and um yeah you know like uh i won't spend too long tooting tooting our horn but uh yeah you know we've we said on the show before that there are there are a million and one shows out there by uh coaches and productivity experts and life hackers and all sorts of people uh that you know Is, uh, a lack of stuff that is just a little bit more on on the kind of personal end and yeah and like uh uh yeah the, the irreverence i think is a, is a big part of it just because it's just like yeah um this is very very serious and it can have very serious and shitty impacts in your life but it's also it is objectively funny when you come up from the basement all the way to the you know top floor and then you can't remember what you entered the room for <laughs> and then you go back downstairs again and the second you get downstairs you see something that jogs your memory and then you get back upstairs again and then you've forgotten again so you go downstairs but this time you remember when it triggers to write it down on your phone and then you travel up the stairs again for the third time and you can finally like finish the task like that's that's Buster Keaton level comedy right there like yeah, that is it's that's that's totally. fun shit <laughs> um so yeah so so uh, uh thank you for saying all those kind things first of all um and then yeah i kind of wanted to double back to a few things that you said when you were talking about um uh kind of figuring out that you have adhd um so you said it, well, a lot of it was down to time management and memory issues um i've talked before on the show about how that was a big thing that catalyzed my discovery too was um after after getting sober and still having all of these time management and memory issues and being like okay maybe there's something else going on that wasn't just like booze and drugs um and and yeah and it turned out there was um and so yeah so i guess i'm kind of curious like um 
you, you said that you those had always been kind of characteristics. I guess looking back as an adult on your childhood, are there, are there other sort of things that you can point to now that you're like, oh, uh, uh, this was sort of like classic ADHD stuff in retrospect, but just, you know, we're kind of, I, I assume we're around the same age. I'm about to turn 40 here. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, and, and just there wasn't really the understanding of like inattentive and combined type, I think in, in men, uh, uh, when we were growing up. So, yeah, I mean, I think the, like the biggest thing was, I think for me was mostly behavioral, um, where, so like I had always had decent grades, um, I think even like my family was sort of like respected and, and, you know, they, they were involved with, with my academics and things like that. Um, but like behaviorally, like, you know, I would just do these random things that like made no sense. And I would always get on my report cards. Um, I would get in my elementary report cards, I'd always get like, we'd get these like numeric scores on, our behavior and self-control was always what I would get the low. Right. It was always self-control, always self-control, self-control, self-control. And then as I got older, um, in high school, the behavioral stuff was more around never working, you know, never working up to your potential. Mm. Um, you know, never sort of like, there was always this, like, if, if you just did this one thing, then the sky would be the limit for you. And I think, again, was this thing where I felt like, I don't know, maybe I just didn't care as much, um, but there was other stuff going on. Um, and so I think that those are like the really big things. But again, I think what I wanna also say too, is that like, um, this is like, you know, six, seven months. Um, of like, even like, I'm still like, I'm still in the process of like unpacking and even sure. like looking back and, and, and trying to think about some of this stuff. But um, I think that in early childhood is behavioral, but as I got older, it it's definitely been, yeah, just sort of more of the, the, the time management, executive functioning, but like the RSD thing is huge. Oh yeah super super real for me and even just like you know the emotional just sort of like emotional regulation and stuff like that um and i think that that totally explained a lot for me when i when i started reading and, and learning about these things it was like kind of seeing all these you know moments of my life flash by and be like oh okay this is why um you know but you know you know, candidly, I, I, I remember one conversation I, I had um, with my wife about this and I was like, oh, you know, so, you know, it's like this mornings are just like so tough for me and they just feel so chaotic. And she's like, yeah, it's always been this way. And I was mm, just like, mm. oh, okay. So this added level of awareness really starts to like make things kind of come clear have made things come clear for me so yeah yeah um and then kind of on, on the, i guess the subject of of being a kid and i guess raising your own um something that we actually had uh, a, a 
another listener reach out to us and ask about was, um, you know, talking about uh, talking to parents with ADHD um, about parenting kids. And, you know, obviously this is a very uh, new discovery for you. So um, uh, you, you probably can't maybe can't fully articulate all the ways in which uh, things have changed. But I'm just kind of curious, like, um, um, yeah, I, I guess how you understanding yourself um, has, has kind of helped or, or not helped necessarily, but I guess changed uh, how you parent, if at all. No, I think definitely it does. Um, I think, and I'll also like, I, it was cool to hear you speak earlier about um, uh, getting sober. Um, so I, I, I just stopped like in January. I was like, I'm just not gonna drink. Um, just not gonna do it. Um, and stop that. And I think that for me as a parent, mornings are the hardest. Mm, mm. Mornings are the hardest. And so if I'm, if I know that I have these sort of executive functioning issues and like, I need to get things going. Cause that's really like, it's like, as a parent, getting your kids ready in the morning is like, it's the most unbelievable task. I, I don't understand <laughs> how we do it. When I get to work, I'm tired not just because I feel like I've, right. I've done this colossal amount of work to just get these two kids out, out of the door. Um, but what started working for me was like, I like, and ultimately works for them. Kids love structure. Like kids love to know what we're going to do next. And so having to like actually put in structures that were helping me <laughs> to be honest sure. like actually helping me and then having my um you know integrating that with my my son or my daughter um and working that out because i think that is a big thing i think like on a deeper level you know there's other things that i'm learning about that like i wish that i could well that I'm going to work on, you know, better. I think there's a lot of things, you know, learning about HD, like we have all these amazing intentions um, of wanting to do and show up in ways mm -hmm. for people that are like 100% real. Like it's, there's no, there's, there's no denying it. It's not fake. It's not, um, but the follow through is tough. And I think part of it is that the follow through is that the fall, mm -hmm. it's out of mind. Um, and I think for parenting, um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, learning and thinking about, okay, what are things I've said or things or intentions that I've had that I've wanted to do to make it and, and, and haven't followed through on those things. And I think what's been really helpful, like personally, like working with like an ADHD coach and with my therapist, like I have to break things down. It can't be this mm -hmm. huge thing. How am I going to be a better parent with ADHD? That's too big. It's mm -hmm. too freaking big. So right now, like it was the mornings. <laughs> how, do I make, how do I make the mornings better? Because the mm -hmm. mornings are, are the toughest. But I think then getting those things, starting to get those things down, I'm, I'm also learning that that builds confidence. And that is also helping me then think differently about, okay, well, how can I show up for, I have, I have an amazing 11-year-old daughter who I feel like is like, growing up way too fast and we all say it <laughs> but it's it's the truth you know and and I'm like okay how do I you know I'm thinking more on those like how do I connect with her in different ways that are and I in ways that I can use my um the like again those amazing intentions that I think a lot of us have but with some of the tools that I've been like okay how do I follow through on that stuff and mm -hmm. 
don't know. I think it's, it, I think for all of us, it's, you have to figure out what, what works. I, I know for me, like I have to, I, I, I have a lot of great reminders, like on my phone and stuff like that, but like, I have to write things down. There's just mm-hmm. something about the written word for me that really helps. So, yeah, I can That's definitely my, relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that you mentioned earlier that um, I bang on a lot about on the podcast is you were saying, you know, you want to learn how to be in the world with ADHD without it necessarily focusing on all these productivity hacks, because yes, of course, we do live in the societies that we live in where, you know, you have to keep a roof over your head, but to not, um, to not kind of buy into this idea that you need to conform to that sort of capitalist structure. Um, and to, you know, it seems to me from what little I know of your work that you've managed to find a way to thrive within that by using all this creative energy that you have and celebrating that. And maybe you could talk a little bit about how at the beginning of the pandemic, you really leaned into your music and really leaned oh, yeah. into your creativity. Do you want to share a bit about yeah. that? Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that was one of the most uh, really interesting and profound like parts of my like artistic journey. There's something about it. Um, it felt such like a, I mean, it was a weird time. And at first it was like, okay, it's, I remember at work, we were like, all right, for me, I office for three weeks and we'll just like make it work and then we'll come back. And then like, it didn't happen. Then it just like kept not happening. And then my kids were home and it was, you know, it was a really weird thing. Um, and I needed, it was very, again, this is a, like back to the whole idea of it being personal like there isn't an academic uh connection with my art it's 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 very personal it's very like yes this you know it's not the sounds that you're going to hear when you flip on the radio but um the sounds mean a lot to me personally um and yeah I, i i think that there comes a point with a lot of artists and there's you know there's all different ways of approaching it but I see I, I think that I've held I up until that point I'd held my art very preciously like it's got to be the best you know this song like the song if I'm gonna put it out it's gonna be it needs to be like the best that it can be um and what that was that was perfectionism essentially. And that didn't really serve me. And so I started to lean into releasing stuff that, you know, not saying that it wasn't unpolished, not saying that it wasn't the best that I, you know, I was putting that intention, but it was just less of like, this is so precious that I have to make it the most perfect thing before I share it with people. And what I found was that a lot more people were responding to that. Um, and that felt really good. But what was happening for me on a more personal level was the helplessness that's really started with um, the pandemic, just like not just being freaked, you know, freaked out like every night, like what is going on? Like it felt like every night we'd put the kids to bed and just be like, so what are we going to do? Like, what is happening like and so there's always this sort of constant process and 
it pretty much jumped into my, it just flowed into my creative stuff. Um, I was doing some freelance projects um, and then started just like writing lots of material, lots of material. Uh, and then the issues that were going on in America were really hard. Like we had, um, you know, the things going on with George Floyd, um, you know, Breonna Taylor, um, Dante Wright, like there's unfortunately too many, not too many names to, to, to point out, but it was, it was really affecting me. It was affecting me on a very, a very, uh, obviously very personal, personal way. Um, but the one that really sort of struck me hardest was, um, yeah, was, I think it's Dante Wright. He was from um, Minneapolis and he was younger. Um, he looks a lot like my son. And it just, it just really hit me profoundly. Um, and I found that music was this way of existing and being and just creating spaces. I say this a lot, creating spaces for me to be creating space for me to be and to um, like ex exist in. But I don't necessarily think it's like an really an escape. It's, it is, I think it is very engaged, but it's a way for me to like really process and really make sense of whatever's going on. And is my, you know, and is, and is also an escape, it's, it's both. Um, and so I, I think that, again, the, the mix of not taking things too serious, not being so precious, but then really engaging with the things that were happening around me and diving into that. Um, because it just sort of, things just got more and more difficult. The, 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 the influence of, um, the influence of Donald Trump on America influence things in so many different ways to even a local level like in san francisco the bay area the like you know what people think is this like you know super progressive city and it is in a lot of ways but like there was stuff happening here that just felt like oh my god this is a small microcosm of what's happening in our country where there's it's again it's very binary it's very you know, I'm on this side, you're on that side. We're not going to, we can't even meet, we can't even talk. And seeing that impact happen where I live, that dragged me down too. And that also, that was sort of the, the impetus for writing my the album before um, Empathy, because it just felt like it was like, you know, it's like this mix of like the world is ending and nobody is like we're becoming less human and we're becoming less compassionate and we're becoming more of what this dude came in and you know i think if, if it was i don't know if it was intentional whatever like that doesn't really matter this is the this is the fruit that's been you know born out of this these last four years so it's just it was so tough and so music was a way again to just like process it all I still feel like i you know hearing myself talking out my you know still, still processing it 
Oh, thanks for sharing that, Joel, because it was something that I was curious about and that you offered that. Thank you, because it is, um, it's been a deeply traumatic time for a lot of people in the United States. And we, you know, we're watching it sort of from next door, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, but we also have our own profound issues here with colonialism and the way our First Nations have been treated and Indigenous people. Um, but something that just kind of struck me, and I wrote it down when I was looking at your website, when you, you wrote about the mysticism of the present tense. And I feel like that may be kind of what music is, is keeping you in that present tense so that you can sustain yourself enough um, to be in community to fight back against the sort of treachery that you're living through. Would you say that's true? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, I, I think I started, um, it's funny because I think, so like, it's funny when I, I heard about ADHD, a lot of ADHDers don't like meditation. And I think I like, when I first, I started meditating probably like maybe a little over 10 years ago. And um, it was something I was like super into. So it was like, that it was the thing I was like super into, really focused on. It. I was like, oh, I'm going to be like really good at this. And I love this, blah, 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 blah. Um, and it's definitely died down. <laughs> the pandemic's really, the pandemic really, really, really shut it down for me. Um, I do really believe, I think the one thing I, I, I just really believe in wholeheartedly is the idea of being present. Um, that's where the answers are. That's where the possibility is. That's where everything, that's where everything lies. And that's all, honestly, what's been helping me, um, through my journey um is okay i gotta get present um i gotta get because this is what's gonna help me um and so that that thing that i wrote around um you know mysticism and, and or the like the present I, I know exactly what you're talking about i can't remember how, how it was written but the idea that like everything's there um in that moment um, everything's there that I need in that moment. And when I'm creating music, it is this thing where it feels like time has stopped and it's just, you know, thing. And then you look up, I'm like, oh, it's, it's three, four hours later, you know, I've been doing, you know, this, you know, working on a piece or something like that. And I think that that there's a, you know, it's, for me, there's a, there's a spirituality to it. It's, it's, it's all there for me. It's, it's not a, um, I see art as a spiritual practice and, you know, I could talk forever about that because um, I just think it's, it's such an amazing um, way that humans express themselves. Yeah, um, something that you said earlier that I thought was really interesting definitely can relate to. Um, I, I'm just glad to hear that you that you were able to kind of stop being so precious about uh, your art and your output. Um, so that's something that like I've talked about that before on the show, but uh, I have struggled with that my entire life, and especially. Um, because as a musician, I'm typically in a supporting role. I'm a drummer, um, so I'm not usually the person uh, uh, bringing songs to the table. I'm usually kind of like serving other people's ideas, so to speak. Um, and so, yeah, and so that's something where 
when it was kind of time to like figure out what quote unquote my voice is, that can be, that can be scary because, you know, it's like, okay, well, I, I can't put something out because like, if it's out there, somebody might dislike it. And of course, well, that's the end of the world. And then furthermore, uh, uh, people will think that this is all I am is, is this one thing. And that's not a good thing either. Um, but yeah, just like, uh, uh, doing so much, uh, I got back into improv in 2017 and that has really, really helped with just kind of, you know, you, you go through a million different ideas in an hour and they all get thrown away. And so like, it doesn't matter how good the idea is, you got to make the best you can of it in like a two minute time frame, And that's the only chance you get. And so it's, I, I've become, I feel like more confident about kind of, uh, uh, following my instincts in, in creating and doing all that kind of stuff. And yeah, and it's just like, it, it feels a million times better to get two pretty good tracks out in a year or whatever than it does to get nothing out in a decade. Like it, it's, it's, it's even, even if it's not perfect, like you did something and that's, that's such a, been such a big benefit for me. So, um, and then, yeah, I'm kind of curious with like, with the album itself. Um, like I said, I, I listened to it again this morning when I was walking around and, um, just made kind of some notes and, um, there's, there's aspects of it to it that seem composed, but there's also, um, on, on a few tracks and especially, uh, I think grand finale was the one that really struck me. Um, part of that feels very live as well. Like there's a performance element in there. And so I'm kind of curious if you wanted to talk a little bit about, I guess, kind of your, uh, setup, so to speak, I guess, like, do you, mm -hmm. is it a mixture of like composition and improvisation or, or I guess, what is your process like in, in conceiving and recording a track? Sure. Um, well, okay. So. <laughs> this is pandemic related. So I, um, when, when I turned, so I turned 40 in 2020 and April 18th and my wife and I were like, we are going to have a freaking party. Like we, it was so, we were pumped. We were like, like, we're going to save us money. We're going to rent out this space. Like we're going to have part, like family was going to come in friends from out of town like it was going to be party of the year and um pandemic happened and quickly found out like oh, can't do that and so um you know i had a little leftover cash i had some money from some projects and i was like well i'm turning 40 um and i'm gonna i've been really into electronic music and gonna buy a modular synth and get some modular so modular sensor uh, modular synthesis is basically like you're, you're creating your own custom in instrument with these little modules that you plug into a case and then they make really bizarre noises uh and um you can really go down a pretty huge rabbit hole with that and thankfully um i'd already been practicing like certain like limits on my like creative limits with my music and so I was able to sort of like all right this is my limit and that's what I'm going to do and then boom 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 so I got I got I got a um I got some stuff with that and I started messing around and so the last I'd say the last three or four albums I put out um the process was me experimenting with it and just recording so I have like these sessions that are like an hour long just like 
a lot of noise and a lot of stuff. Um, and then I would listen through it all and literally like highlight the pieces that I liked. And then I'd dump those and then I'd erase everything and make a new file with that stuff and then start, um, you know, composing with that. Um, and so, and then that's when I would add other instrumentation. So then I play guitar, um, I sing, I um, um, could play, you know, play different parts on, on, on the actual keyboard. Um, and so that's when I would add all of those elements uh, into the work. Um, and then it's just really a, the thing is though, that's really, I mean, I think a lot of people, a lot of artists do this, but the thing that's really and it, like so ADHD is I have so many files. I have so many, like, like a quarter of a song. And I, it's like, I have so many of these. So just like, I like did it. And I'm like, oh, this was fun tonight. Then I move on to something else. And so like, <laughs> like sometimes even with this album, there's one song where I was like, I was just like looking through some files and I found this thing. I was like, oh, this sounds cool. I did this like two years ago. And I never finished it and I completely forgot about it. And so I, you know, I go back into it. So I think the process for me is really like, um, it's kind of messy. Um, kind of like if you, this is the probably my little closet of a studio is the messiest part of the house because I can be, cause it's just a mess. But like, I think that's kind of how it, it, it there, there just has to be a little bit of, a little bit of chaos and then making sense of that. Um, with some of the songs on this album, I actually, um, there's a few songs um, that I actually wrote for dance. Um, I, I do a lot of um, music for dancers in San Francisco. Um, and so a couple of pieces for that, but the one that you, um, that you uh, had referred to specifically, it's the second to last song on the album. Um, that was like, I wrote that, that was sort of one of those, there, there are, are also those periods where, and this, I think definitely connects to like this whole present tense thing where it's just like, I'm here, I am present and just stuff just happens. And I don't really like, I can't really explain, but it's just like, oh, everything's just coming into place. And for some reason I've written, you know, a six and a half minute song in an evening and you know it just it, it just all falls into place and for some reason I picked this right sound and I picked that right sound and it just there's a flow that happens um and I chose some um like sampled the beginning they they chose some sampled um string sounds I haven't really ever done before but they just sounded so good they actually sounded like people were playing them mm. um uh, that I was like, oh, I'm going to keep this. And, and actually, I even like, I literally texted one of my friends who's a composer and I was like, yo, like, how do you feel about these like sampled string sounds? He's like, oh, dude, like, don't worry about it. If it sounds good to you, just do it. So I, you know, I did that and then it was just layering my guitars. Um, and then I think there's like drums at the end. But it, that piece was both, it was like, I, I had written it specifically for a, a, a 
just crazy, amazing dance um, performance by this uh, San Francisco-based artist, uh, Larry Arrington. Um, she and uh, Alexa Burl, they created this amazing piece. And so they asked me to do some music for it. And so that was part of it. But it was also definitely me like dealing with ADHD stuff, <laughs> like, like, like as I was creating it. Um, but it's just, it's definitely, I definitely don't like to be, I don't, I want my music to be uh, electronic. I like that aspect, but I don't want it to just sound like it's electronic. I want it to sound like something else, like otherworldly there or whatever. So um, I think that's the other part of it too. It's just like, where am I going with this thing? And I do a lot of sampling of myself. I sample my guitars, I sample my voice. So mm -hmm. it's just, it's just a lot of process, a lot of, um, a lot of different, a lot of different processes I use. It's really interesting to hear that that track was originally for um, for a dance piece because what I what I thought was so interesting about it, um, you know, there's relatively few kind of like I guess rhythmic parts or drums on this record, just uh, track two and then the second last one. Um, but what I thought was so interesting about it was that it's clearly. It, it feels improvised or at least like like you're playing it because it's not a constant rhythm. It really kind of falls uh, uh, out of time with itself <laughs> in places. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's not just kind of like a, a quantized thing, but it's, it's cool because you've got these these hits and then you've got so this big squall of noise in the background that's kind of coming up after each kick hit. But I, I think that that's really interesting to hear that it, that you wrote that piece for dancers when it has this kind of very irregular kind of loping rhythm towards the end. I think that that's really cool. I mean, I, I wish you could, uh, I don't, I don't know when it'll be, um, up for public consumption again, because it, there was, there is, it was, it was this mix of, cause it was made during the pandemic. So it's, there's a mix of film and oh, live wow. dance mm -hmm. all happening, like all together. Um, some separate and then it like all together and that part is the end and it's, it's crazy like there's people with these crazy you know head I mean it felt like uh I don't like to like fully make this uh uh connection because it, it doesn't still doesn't do it justice but it reminded me of like midsummer oh <laughs> that movie like it just nuts you know what I mean it's like all these things coming together and you're like okay like and you're just there to witness it and there was like um um one character who was representing venus and then another character who was representing um cupid and there were these other it was just nuts it was awesome like it was just crazy so like when i saw it all come together there's a whole is, there's a whole other experience of experiencing it in that context um and it's not dance that is, you know, like, yeah. you know, ballet or something to a click. You know, it's, it's super, it's, it's experimental. It's, it's, it's performance, it's elements of performance art. And um, Larry, the, who, who did a lot of choreography is, she got like a dream team of, of dancers um, as well that just, you know, could really serve some, not just dance movement but face you know right. and all this other stuff so it, it made it really it made it its own thing um yeah so i think that part of it um provides a little bit of 
I don't, I want there to be movement, right? I want it to slow down. I want it to speed up. I want, you know, a lot of different things to happen. So it's not like just sort of like a static Stiff, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then something else I'm kind of curious about, you mentioned before, uh, uh, you know, there's a fair bit of kind of noise um, involved in in your compositions and stuff. And yeah, and that's something I was, before you brought that up, that was a note I made this morning is, is you know, I feel like we're kind of um, getting more and more noise in in pop music and stuff these days, um, almost kind of, not, not in like a futurist way, but I feel like more in just a filling out the frequency range kind of way. Um, mm -hmm. but, but I'm curious as someone who's maybe more kind of uh, uh, conscientious, I guess, for lack of a better word about it, I guess, what, what purpose noise serves to you in your music? And, and if you wanted to kind of talk about that. Um, yeah, I think that that, Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I think like, you know, like this is somebody and I, this is like, I'm coming from, this is a person like I'm talking about about myself, but I, I come from this like really eclectic background in music, right? I, I like, I was listening to like my dad, like was, is someone who just like loves music and really at an early age, exposed me to a lot of different music um and got me excited about just sort of you know just experiencing it in different ways and then as i got older um i started i like i'm a kind of a um on i don't know if it's even i guess it's kind of i don't know if it's unhealthy but i'm like a, I'm a pretty big radiohead fan and um that sort of was like a in into like i think more abstract music sure. and, and, and just weirder sounds and you know i don't know there's just something about um i think it's more about the free expression than the like like because i don't necessarily like even like i i don't like listen to noisy music that i mean i'm sure that you know maybe you know my wife and people who work with me and might think differently um but i don't see it as you know i don't see it as that um um because there is just some music that's just like it is like harsh noise sure. and like like I, I can't do it like it's too much for it's too much for me um but i think it serves a purpose. Like there's a song on my last, not on this album, my last album, in Empathy, that like, it's like, the, 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 there's four parts of that song, there's Empathy, one, two, three, four, and it's a journey. And the third part is like, where it gets really nasty and, you know, it's, it's really pulsy, noisy and crazy, but it's for a purpose, it's like sort of, it's telling a story. I think that's how I use, that's how I use noise. It's sort of, it's, it's a, it's a palette, right? It's part of the, the sure. part of the palette and I'm using it that way. I don't think that I'm necessarily going to like, just, I, I will never release an album that's just like 30 minutes of, of noise. Not that that's, you know, that's not, it's not a bad thing. Um, and a lot of, there's a lot of great albums that are, that are that. It's just not, that's just not me. Sure. Um, I think. Yeah, it feels like there's two things in there because ADHDers generally we're really sensitive to noise. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, um, I'm, I can't be around a lot of loud things. Um, and, but the, it is interesting when, yeah, when now when you kind of tie it together, when you say you're telling a story through the music, um, it, it ties back to me for that, that idea of being present. Like when I used to go to um, this meditation group and often when they were leading the meditations, there'd be sort of this abrupt gong and then then they would say now right and I would get really cranky about it because I was like I was just getting into the soft place and now I've got to come back to this again and I feel like that's what what you've achieved with that is that you're telling this story but it's also not a lullaby like Mm -hmm. you are intended to stay present with the music so the noise is necessary Mm -hmm. yeah definitely makes sense yep and I think with this my the album masking um is that way like somebody had asked me like hey like why didn't you like like it feels like there's some songs that are super short and some songs that are longer and there's like some songs that have like a clear end and beginning and there's some songs that don't and i'm like this is exactly what it is like this is adhd like this <laughs> is like you know what i mean like it's it's this sort of thing where you know, the beginning of the album is just sort of these weird little puppy little noises. It's kind of cutesy and weird. And that represents something, right? That, rep- that represents like stuff that we, you know, the, the thoughts and all the weird things that kind of pop in in our brain. And, you know, each song is like expressing some, there's a couple songs which just like floating around and it just go to like, kind of spacey and dreamy and like it's it's all really like intentional to the like that experience for me like it's very very like each song is very intentional um about that and and like you know the last song is like i don't know like a little over a minute and i think that the reason why is just because it's like i think like sometimes those like those moments of clarity and those moments of like real like peacefulness like it's not that it's not always there but like they they are not that they're few and far between but when they really hit it feels really good it feels like something's falling into place um but it you forget it after (laughs) you forget it pretty quickly um and that's that's been my experience my experience with adhd has been about it's been about a lot of a lot of forgetfulness a lot of what did i just do a lot of i walked into this room with an intention or an idea to grab something and i completely forgot or i started the day saying i'm gonna do these things and none of that get done and i end up doing a bunch of other things Yes. They're kind of related, but not related at all to what I wanted to do. And yeah, I was there's talking. this nonlinear aspect that that's what I, I don't know. It's weird, but it, I actually kind of like it too sometimes, but I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, I think I was cutting you off, but um, I was talking to somebody yesterday about the idea of loose ends and the anxiety production that happens with that for folks with ADHD, because it's perpetual. We feel as though there's constantly things we haven't finished. My inbox time. is a hot mess. Like I would love to have more of an argument and I just, I don't. And I, I sometimes will like have, I literally did that the night before last. I was in bed and then I was like, oh, 
I forgot to, and I got up and answered a fucking text because I wouldn't mm -hmm. have been able to sleep if yeah. I had not done that. Um, and I think that's something people kind of, um, they sort of minimize it in talking to folks with ADHD about it, but until you know that feeling of nothing being complete, you don't fully understand how stressful that is. Um, and uh, yeah, Absolutely. you can relate to that. Well, um, just the idea of feeling like I like, there is also those times where I feel like, oh, I did some, I got something done. And I'm just feeling my, I'm like, yes, I did this thing. Mm -hmm. I rule, look at me. <laughs> and then someone reminds me of this other huge rock that I haven't even scaled yet. <laughs> it's just like, mm -hmm. it's, and it's always like that. It's always, there's always something waiting that I've, that I've forgotten about. And like, Oh, I'm glad that I can laugh about it a little bit now. In the moment, it, it feels it feels so frustrating um, yeah. when you're like, oh, there's another thing that mm -hmm. I intended on doing or yeah. or I straight up just avoided because <laughs> I also just didn't want to deal with that thing. Because it's not it's, interesting. It's not interesting at all. <laughs> Having this tough conversation is not interesting at all. It's yeah. not interesting at all to me. I'd, I'd rather not have it, but... Hmm. That's also like, I don't know, it's like a mix of adulting too. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that is one more thing I wanted to ask you about if you're willing to go there is, you know, you do work, you know, you got this master's in, in social work and you work in a nonprofit um, and nonprofits like are relentless in terms of things that always need to get done, just, you know, budgets and all this kind of really, really unsexy stuff. And the nonprofit I used to work at, but I couldn't cope with because it was relentless meetings. Maybe do you want to talk a little bit about how work-wise, like how you can strike that balance of like, oh God, I probably have like a thousand unread emails and I need to take care of my actual job. I mean, that's the, this is the like, that's the question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like that's like this never ending thing. I think before, well, so here's the interesting thing. And this is a thing that I'm still ex exploring and trying to figure out. But I think before I was like, you know, I'm not really like, you know, was really hesitant to sort of like commit to like any sort of like one, like a, a, a career or like lean into different things like I think I always wanted to like stand out in a different way or like just uh, approach it differently or whatever but then you know I, I think that that was in some ways part of this other avoidance thing like but then I realized there's parts of my brain that just doesn't like this stuff like does not click it doesn't I don't um I don't like thinking about the details, mm -hmm. right? So I direct a program. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm all about, I want to talk about like big ideas. I want to talk about ways that we can be like, you know, you know, help staff have good experiences at my, you know, or to have the young people that we work with feel, you know, empowered. Like I'm all about these sort of like really nice idealistic things. Um, and I love that. And I love talking about that. I have a lot of, like, I have a lot of great ideas. But like grants 
and you know like applications making sure that i need to like make be sure these numbers are lining up and that this and that and you know like there's some stuff that i've realized that like oh this is why it, it's not necessarily like yes there i think there is a little bit of uh, you know there's a little bit of resistance just because you know it's it's not it isn't the sexiest it isn't the sexiest work nobody likes but, doing anything <laughs> right <laughs> but like i think that they're like i'm like realizing like oh okay this is this is why and so like i've actually done i'm, I'm still working on it but like i i have done these things like that like where i'll set a timer and be like i'm just gonna do this for this amount of time and it really helps because it's so painful <laughs> it just, like literally hurts my brain sometimes like when i'm doing certain things with like numbers that it just it doesn't it doesn't i i like my brain will like my head will i'm like i'm using something that i don't usually normally use or it doesn't it just really doesn't feel good but when i'm when i've been able to hear different stories and different like i'm like oh okay like i'm not also just not crazy like it's it, there's a thing that's there's a reason why yeah um so I, I i think that with my work um the places that i've enjoyed the most have been the relational aspects of the job um the the but you know i've also i think since i've been doing social service work for almost well for god for over 20 years um wow. i've had to learn like there's just some stuff I have to. I'm like, oh, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm not engaging with that because it's going to drive me crazy. Mm. So in my 20s, there's a lot of things I engaged in. My early amount, early on in my career, I engaged with a lot of different things, and it, it drove me crazy. Um, and so there's certain things that I try not to engage in that sort of help. But it's it's always a struggle. I mean, it's always like a, you know, there's always this big issue around, um, you know, working in a field that is under um underfunded under uh appreciated you know like it's not valued especially in america um mm -hmm. it's not valued and um you know that's that's tough it's 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 tough it's and it's harder to like try to even explain to folks that are early on in their career and they're like mm. what is this and i'm like yeah i know and I don't really know what we, you know, I don't necessarily have all the answers to like what we're going to be able to do to change it. Um, but it's just sort of the reality of things, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's uh, you, you don't, you don't want to, you, you need that idealism, especially like you, mm -hmm. you got to have that idealism coming mm -hmm. in from young people. And the last thing you want to do is, is, is drive that out of them. But at the same time, yeah, it's also, you know, getting older is a process of, uh, of, of kind of tempering your expectations for reality. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. That's a great, that's a great, I like that temp. Yeah. Tempering your expectations. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess uh, I, a couple of things I just wanted to touch on real quick. So you mentioned a while ago, um, that kind of classic ADHD thing is to have all these kind of like, you know, 30 second uh loops or whatever projects that you've put together so i i have an, an ideas folder uh that i that i archive every couple of years but so i started a new one uh at the start of the pandemic 
currently 378 projects sitting in there uh, from the last two <laughs> oh years. And, and again, it's all, it's all literally the same thing. It's like, it's like less than 60 seconds worth of music, all of these. Yep. Uh, and, and the good stuff makes it into a different folder where stuff actually gets worked on. But I just, I just thought that, that I would, uh, that I would share my own numbers <laughs> with you because you might find them funny. Um, and then the other thing I was kind of wondering about, uh, you mentioned uh, fairly early on in the episode that you also work with a coach. Um, so that's something that, that Robbie and I are, you know, not in a financial position to explore right now, but um, are, are interested. And I'm kind of curious uh, if you wanted to talk about, uh, uh, you know, what your experience has been like being coached and, and kind of what you've gotten out of that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, there were many coaches that I couldn't work with. <laughs> mm. So expensive. Um, mm, yeah. I found someone who was pretty uh amazing and kind at how affordable um they were um so yeah it was really funny because it was like okay i'm driving this whole thing of like finding this coach while i'm realizing that like i don't do a really good job of following up on anything and so um took a couple you know took some time to get there but um I think for me, the reason why I needed it and wanted it, I'm, I'm self-motivated on some things and on other things, I need a little bit of a kick and a push. And this, I feel, so I, I, I've been, I've been working with this person, I don't know if it was like in February or March, but for, for a couple of months and then they, um, she went on sabbatical and so, um, you know, so kicking it on my own but um i think what i liked about it was that i so like therapy's awesome it's been therapy forever and it's super reflective and let's talk about my feelings and how things are going and what i'm doing where like this just felt really tactical and like so like one of the things that i did a ton of work on was just like my mornings like mm. like so going back to that thing about parenting like you know again morning is the hardest part of the day for me um and figuring out different routines and then like telling her okay i tried this but that didn't work or you know um i'm going to try this thing out that you suggested and then i'd be like oh that was great let's keep that so it was a lot of problem solving um and it was a lot of discussing, like, I think the other thing too, is just like, I, 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 I sort of did have this like pause around like, um, you know, what is the right career for me, you know, as an ADHD person. And we did a little bit of talking around that and, um, you know, I, I think she gave me definitely a lot of um, just skills to just think through things, right? It would be like, like, so like, for example, like another example, like my son, he had like a whole family. It was crazy. My whole family, we all had, we all we freaking didn't have COVID. We were, like, yes, we didn't, we didn't get it. And then in May, like we all got it and it was crazy um and so we had to postpone my son's birthday party 
uh, his fourth birthday party to like in June. And I was like, I know that I need to, <laughs> I know I need to contribute to this. I know I need to like do things. And she was like, all right, what do you got to do? And it was so practical to just have somebody. And then I just be like, okay, well, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this. Oh yeah. I, right. I got to do this too. And so we just made a huge list. And so to, like, it seems, and this is what drives me crazy. I mean, about neurotypical people, like they, it just seems like it's just so freaking easy for them. And just, like, boom, 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 <laughs> I write the list. I think it through and it's done. And I'm like, I can't even like making this list drives me crazy. So um, doing those like little things really helped. The other thing that you, that it was real. Another thing was like energy. Mm. What are things I can do to like, automate certain things in my life so I'm not wasting energy on those things right like okay once a week get all your meds and your you know vitamins just put them in a Monday Tuesday Wednesday thing like what are things that I can do to just not have to use the, the you know because we have a limited amount and um making sure that I'm not overextending that energy. So I think what I feel, I know that it's not meant to be permanent. You know, it's, it's sort of a, like, you have a couple goals that you're working on and, and, and I feel like it definitely was just like a good, like, let's get started with this whole journey. Um, I feel like I have a lot of, I have a lot of important decisions that, you know, I'm going to need to be making, um, you know, really shortly. And, um, I feel like I have a lot of tools now to sort of, you know, help that, help me with that. I'd say the other though, the other thing that's been just super crucial is um, um, I randomly like over the pandemic reconnected with some friends from college. Um, we would just, we'd just talk um, um, like once a month. And these are like really good friends, friends that were in my wedding, um, you know, people I care about a lot. And I talked to them in January. I was like, y'all, I got ADHD. Like, this, <laughs> this, this is crazy. Like, I don't get it. And one of my friends was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm for years, I pretty much think I've known it, I've, that I've had it. And <laughs> I was just like, what are you talking about? And they started saying all this stuff. And I'm like, you know all these things. And you know all the words. And you know all the terminology. <laughs> and, like, this is crazy. And it's been, like, a, that relationship um to be able to like call somebody and be like here's how adhd is showing up for me and it's driving me crazy <laughs> and freaking awesome like it's been so i i think like um and there's a coaching element to that because you're friends and you're trying to encourage each other and trying to help each other think about different you know different ways of, of seeing things or remind yourself of hey yes you did this thing but you're not a horrible person mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> um so that's been like a that's been a it's been a gift too I, I just i think it's like norm like i've been meeting different people and even for another friend he was like yeah baby chef found out blah 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 and i was like oh so normalizing it and not making it like this huge mm -hmm. catastrophic thing that it's also a thing that like we live with and we do and we can we can have really good lives um 
but I think having the support and knowing people, you know, again, back to why this podcast really spoke to me because it was just talking about stuff, stuff that I can relate to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One story about when you were, uh, Robbie, you were like, um, (laughs) you had to go to like a doctor for some reason and like you got, it was the, the one about the shit. I think yeah, that was the, the poop episode when yeah, I was the, yeah. with a bag of Recent my own fecal matter. And it was just like, it was just like, yeah, like it just, and I, it's that sort of stuff that's just like, oh yeah, uh-huh. That I would have, probably yeah. happen to me. <laughs> yes. I would end up in a weird, I, I, so many bizarre situations I end up in, like, you know, a lot of times. Real, real situation. Yeah. It's a real situation. <laughs> because, um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but I, I love that you, you know, you talk about the importance of kind of connecting that accountability with also, you know, um, some strong encouragement. Like, I think we all need that. Um, and ADHD is probably, you know, and I'm sure you've heard this statistic about how many more negative um, pieces of feedback we get um, as children. And then over the lifespan, especially when you get um, diagnosed as an adult, those things can really accumulate, I think, in your bones. Um, and so it's important to um, be and be surrounded by folks who who don't pathologize um, the way that your mind works mm-hmm. um, and yeah. and see your strengths for what they are. Um, I think that that's really really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we're kind of coming up to uh, one o'clock here, and I've got another thing to go to. And I know um, you. I think you said you had a meeting today, Joel. So, mm-hmm. um, Jordan, was there anything that you didn't get to in terms of questions? No, that that covered more than everything that I wanted to ask. Uh, but that was that was an absolutely wonderful conversation. And, and yeah, and I just wanted to just to your last point there. Um, you know, I, I think that we as ADHDers can, I think it's a great idea to, to show up for each other um, as much as possible in a sort of pseudo coaching role. Uh, again, not not like, you know, um, I'm, I'm here to solve your problems, but just, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just try and, I try and really be deliberate about that with my friends. Like, like when, when someone has something good happen, just like, Hey man, that's awesome. You worked really, really hard on yep. this and now it's done and, and you did a great job. And cause you know, like y- you don't get to hear that that much, uh, yep. anybody. Um, and, and I think that it really does go, uh, a much longer way with um uh, uh with, with neurodivergent people just because of all the messages we get um so no i've i've uh, my my curiosity is more than sated um but yeah joel <laughs> if you have anything else that uh that you wanted to kind of touch on in our last sort of five minutes or so here um uh, the floor is yours oh wow no i don't think i that was like no no, I don't, no call I don't have action. Like a, that's in a pitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. I, 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 in, uh, I grew up in in a church environment a lot, and like, uh, there's like, you know, at the end, there's like a, okay, go out and do. Like, <laughs> so that was like, is this what I'm supposed to miss? Yeah. <laughs> go out in the world and do good. Um, no, I don't. I don't have anything else. But I just, I appreciate, I really appreciate just being able to chat with y'all. This is really fun. I think that that send off works just great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Joel, if people want to uh, hear this album, Masking, or any of your other uh, critically acclaimed uh, electronic music, where would they do that? You can go to Joel St. Julian or Joel St. Julian (laughs) dot bandcamp.com. It's, it's, it's J-U-L-I 
E-N, not A-N. Um, that is where I have a lot of music. And then if you want to follow me on Instagram, I am Joel St. Julian there, just at Joel St. Julian. And I regularly post um, little visuals and little things that I'm working on, um, all updates about myself, um, the, the, the music I'm making. Um, that's another way to, to get in touch with me. I, I am a just very cautious Twitter person. I don't use it that much because, again, every time I go on it, I feel like I've lost a bit of my soul just, yeah. by, just scrolling. So uh, usually more on uh, Instagram, but it's really just a sort of like art focused, you know, music focused, focused stuff. Those are good boundaries with social media because I get sucked into the Twitter vortex, even though I've muted almost all the words that are used consistently on there to steal your soul, they still creep into my awareness. Yeah, that, but it's, like, it's, 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 it's never ending, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Creativity. Okay, well, uh, yeah. yeah, thanks again so much for all of your time. And, um, and, and yeah, and, and we'll have uh, those links in the episode description so curious listeners can check that out. Um, but yeah, thank you again so much for your time and for sharing your story with us and for uh, reaching out to us at the start of the year. Uh, we always love getting our backs padded too, so. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. No, it's a great service. This is a, this is a service what y'all are doing. It's, it's really great. Thanks, thank you, Joel. I appreciate that. It means a lot.